Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. partnership awesome awesome so happy thanksgiving everybody so i'm going to do something that kim doesn't know that i'm doing she's touching my back right now i can feel it (laughs) i'm not a touchy-feely person but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't know that i'm going to do this so um so on thanksgiving i wanted to i was praying and just you know praising god and ask and just thanking him for the so many things that we have to be thankful for And one of those things is God does everything through relationships. I'm so thankful for the relationships that um, Pastor RJ and I have. And it's such a blessing when God, you you pray and you seek God. It's such a blessing when God brings you people that walk beside you with like heart and mind. And when you get people that walk beside you with like heart and mind, things happen. And you're able to move in partnership and walk together side by side together. And Kim is, if you don't already know it, she has taken on the very big and difficult job of being the creative director uh, of Windsor Christian Fellowship. So she oversees the huge umbrella of creative development here at WCF. And, you know, she is, we affectionately call her Pastor Kim, but the... Volunteers and staff who love her call her Mama G. And if that doesn't say enough about her heart and her care and her nurture and her love for the people that she serves with and that she pours into, it's awesome. And I just wanted to bring to your attention that, you know, during this time, especially during COVID, I don't know if you guys realize that during COVID, and you know, and this conversation happened from this, what I want to bring to you today happened from another conversation that, um, with a group of people who just needed to share with me the encouragement and the impact that the creative department has had on their life, especially in this time. And I don't know if you realize it, but during COVID, the creative department under Kim's leadership and guidance and, her, and, and just allowing them to do what they do has been the busiest it's ever been. We're talking going crazy in every department from media and sound to all of our worship happening here, stage development. What else? What else is in that department? So many things. It's too, hard, too many to list. But she has brought in such a spirit of collaboration and a spirit where everybody gets to bring their gifts to the table and no ideas to every, let's, let's, let's talk about everything. Let's bring it to the table. And they have come here, church, when you were at home and we were locked down, they've come here praying for you, setting up things, tearing down things, consulting, testing, changing. If there's any department that goes through change more, it's the creative department. Because they have to always, when, before you get here, they're here, making sure the sound works making sure the lights are, making sure things are working and everything's happening in the media and all this beautiful creative stuff and desktop publishing, all of these things happen. And when you were at home, these things were still happening here. They were coming here busy, praying, worshiping, 
doing recordings, practicing, changing, getting the sanctuary ready for you to come back when you were here to worship and giving you the greatest worship experience that we could have. You know, we here in church, if you just take the time to look around you, do you understand how blessed we are? How actually pampered you are here in the extravagance of the experience that we get to have here. It is an extravagant worship experience that we get to have here in person and online. You get to be at home when we were shut down in the comfort of your PJs, holding your coffee and your tea, and still because of the people here, putting it online, coming here, making sure things were working, coming here, rehearsing, recording, practicing, making sure things were in the spirit of excellence for you because they love you and they wanna serve you. So I'm so thankful that we don't have to do this alone. So would you stand with me? Would you just show the creative department and the sound, the multimedia, the worship team, give them expression and aren't we thankful for them that we have them here? They don't get that recognition until something goes wrong, but we need to be encouraged them and be thankful for them and everything that's gone right. Amen? Amen. Now it's wow. you. That was quite the introduction. Thank you, Pastor Mary. <laughs> Amen. I just want to double back to something Stephen said about Giant Tiger. It's uh, Patty um, and Brian Banks, Giant Tiger in the East End that were supporting um, us and helping to meet the needs of the community. And I think that's important to be said. Uh, couldn't do anything that we do here, obviously, without the support of our leadership. And you're probably thinking, why is this woman on stage? Well, oh, <laughs> I'm so thankful you said yes. <laughs> she said yes. I actually did, and I said no. <laughs> times. And um, Pastor RJ had asked me to, to minister, and I said, okay, sure, I can say something maybe, but I can only do it if my husband stood beside me, and he said no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so I was sitting there, and I was talking to God, and I was saying, oh, what am I going to say? I don't know. Should I do this? Do you really want me to share anything on Thanksgiving, and the Holy Spirit said, did he ask you? Meaning Pastor RJ. So I guess if he asked me, that means I'm supposed to be here, and so I'm thankful for the opportunity just to be like any one of you and bring the word of God um, and the things that God has been sharing on my heart. Today's message is called the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's something that's been resonating in my life personally, that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. And oftentimes we forget that. Amen. Circumstances in this life cause us to run to all, all over the place and get us distracted. But we have to remember that we have a presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to navigate through difficult times. Amen. So we're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we are going to be bringing out at this time. And I'm looking at my notes and Stephen asked me to talk to you about the four weeks of giving. So if you didn't get an opportunity to be a part of the ABBA offerings and all of that went on in the community, we are a giving church and we do have the four weeks of giving coming up in Christmas. And uh, we'll have lots of opportunities to sow seeds, sow time, sow resources into our community and bless them during the Christmas season. Amen. So my journey through reading the Old Testament brought me to the book of Judges, which is my first scripture. Judges 17, verse 6. In those days, there was no king, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. 
In those days, there was no king, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. And as I was reading through the Old Testament, um, journeying through the Bible, actually, but when I got to this part of the Old Testament, and I was reading everything that was happening there, and what the Israelites were doing, and my goodness, after, you know, God sent Moses and delivered them from Pharaoh, and he was there with them, and protecting them, and providing for them, and then they just went, and the other direction. Do you know it was within a couple of generations that the Israelites went from following God to falling away from God? That's right. The people did what they thought was right in their own eyes. I take that old scripture and I place it on my life and I think, God, what am I doing that I think is right in my own eyes? We are all just one decision away from veering in the wrong direction. If we purpose to do what we think is right in our own eyes and forget that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we too will veer in the wrong direction. And it can happen so simply. Remember, it was two generations, a couple of generations where the Israelites were following God and next thing you know, they were falling away from God. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man and appears straight before him, but his end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right to man and the road looks straight but it's not, it's crooked. When you're not looking at the road ahead of you through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it may look straight, but it's crooked. And before you know, one turn leads to another turn, leads to another turn, and you're gone. You're gone off on your own. You're gone off on your own understanding. And you're far away from God. And that is why we need the presence and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and I can prove it to you because it says so in Luke eleven thirteen. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If we give good gifts to our kids, our Heavenly Father is going to give a good gift to us. And in this context, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the best gift ever. Why do we ignore him in our life? Acts 2, verse 38 to 39, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away and all who have been called by the Lord our God. God would not give us something we didn't need. If we need the Holy Spirit, then let's recognize him in our life. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, and I want to give a shout out to my son-in-law who's doing media up there. Thank you, Luke. Thank Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We need the Holy Spirit for guidance. Amen. Amen. There is so much stuff out there. Amen. 
We need the Holy Spirit for guidance. That's what Proverbs says. Let's take a look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, verse 8, 7 to 8 in the Amplified, he says, but I tell you the truth. Jesus doesn't lie. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So Jesus is about to take off. He spent three years with his disciples. He trained them and taught them and discipled them. But even in all of that, even in the, being in the presence of Jesus Christ himself, the one who was here at the beginning, the one who created everything, even in his presence, Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm not, I'm not it. There's more. He says, I tell you the truth. I got to go. I got to get out of Dodge. I got I to gotta get out of here. For, I, for if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you close fellowship with you my goodness the worship team was going and I was I was I was a wreck I was a hot mess I didn't wear mascara today and thank God I don't know if you didn't feel the Holy Spirit in the presence of the Holy Spirit I, I don't know what else to say I was quite I was happy just to keep on worshiping and when the instruments started playing and the, and, the, and the singers weren't singing, you could feel, I don't know, you could just feel something was breaking through the atmosphere. Amen, that's right. The power of the Holy Spirit. Where was I? Okay. Um, verse 8. And he when he comes, he will convict the world about the guilt of sin. The guilt of sin. And the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us. And sometimes the conviction is very subtle and sometimes it's really strong. Mm -hmm. Many, many years ago, I was young, married, had three little babies and I was looking at my life. I was looking at where I was. And I w was looking at where I had ended up. I was happy where I was. And in my mind, I was leaning on my own understanding. I was going through the process of this thought, well, even though I wasn't saved back then, I made some decisions that weren't right. But if I hadn't made those decisions, I wouldn't have. And I didn't even get to finish the sentence. And God interrupted my thoughts. He does it all the time. He puts me on the right track. He said, I have made your crooked path straight. That's right. Amen. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit because it's Bible. And um, I knew it was the Holy Spirit because of how it made me feel. I felt comforted. I felt convicted. I felt loved. I was going in the wrong direction. The Holy Spirit came into my life and he made my crooked past straight. So even though I had a past, nothing I did in my past had anything to do with where I am today. I am standing in the goodness and the grace of God because God made 
my crooked path straight. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth and he comes to convict us. Um, in John 16, verse 13, God refer, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. And he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Amen. The gift of the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Even Jesus said, you need him. I'm not enough. In my physical body, I'm not enough. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give them to you. Amen. So I'm going to continue on that, that the Holy Spirit brings us into all truth. I want to frame a few things for you. How many of you have heard the saying or even used this saying that, well, that's not my truth? Many of you have heard that. Um, so I want to submit to you and say to you that um, for this conversation, we're going to say uh, truth versus experience. And as Christians, we're going to say that instead of saying, well, that's not my truth, we're gonna say, well, that hasn't been my experience. Because your experience is valid, it's true. It, it, it's your reality, it's what's happening. But that should not be your truth. Because as Christians, the truth is in the word of God. The truth is in the person of Jesus Christ. So. So what we need to do now as Christians is we take our experience and we subject it to God's word. We have to bring our experience into God's word instead of, see, this is where we struggle and we get into wrong thinking, is where we take our experience and use our experience to build truth in our life. And then that becomes what we actually believe. Instead of going to the word of God, to speak to us about the truth, about what's happening in our life. And that even so, when the, what's happening in our experience is it can seem, at, seem, and I say seem at times, to be so contradictory to what God's word says. But that's so important that in that time that we are taking our experience and we're bringing it into the truth of God's word, into the to the truth of Jesus Christ and at the cross, that's where we process our experience. So I wanna give you, I wanna give you a little a practical example and that, that how this works in life. So I accepted Jesus Christ in my life when I was in the age of around 24. How many of you know before, I mean, you know, 24, there was a lot of life that happened in there. And um, I had a lot of experience that I had without the Lord that I had adopted as my truth. How many of you know that 24 years, it's some time to get some things rooted down deep in me that were my truths, that were my belief system, that were what I believed, okay? So when I came to Jesus Christ, the 24 years of experience I had to take and I had to go to God's word about what I had experienced in my life and bring it and subject it to the truth of God's word. So um, prior to um, getting saved, I had been engaged. Um, I was around 22 years old. And I had break, broken off that engagement because um, he was unfaithful to me. And uh, his wife and children thank me now because he's alive and I did not hurt him. Um, 
<laughs> Shortly after that, I had gotten into another relationship really quickly. You know, we've heard those rebound relationships. And that relationship on the other person's side, on that person's side, was for him amazing, wonderful. He was talking about marriage. We wanted to go look at rings, all that. But it wasn't the right thing. I knew that wasn't the right thing for me. I wasn't even saved at this time. I knew, like, I'm not going to make him happy, and he's not going to make me happy. I don't feel the same way about him. So coming into, uh, upon my, near my 21st, my 24th birthday, I had met someone that I thought I could spend the rest of my life with. But the truth, so, okay, I'm going to go on. I thought I could spend the rest of my life with him, but then I got saved. And I had to, at that time, decide, because God's word says, if I'm a Christian and he's not, God's word says, I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked. So I went back to my relationship thinking, you know, no, no, I love him. He loves me. This can work. It can work out. But the Holy Spirit would not leave me alone. And the happiness, the fulfillment, the love, the peace, everything that I had found in that relationship that I thought that I could spend the rest of my life with him evaporated because the Holy Spirit was trying to get to a truth that I believed in my life that I would always be alone. I believed that nobody would want to spend the rest of their life with me. So you need to grab a hold of it when that, grab a hold of that person that says they want to be with you for the rest of their life. So I had to get to the truth of that belief in my life and allow the Holy Spirit to go there. And he's like, you need to let go of this and wait from my best. Trust me in God's word that I have a good plan for your life. I love you. I want to give you good things. Will you wait for my best? And it was hard to let go of that relationship. So hard. I had, and I walked away from it and I got saved. And in 18 months, I spent almost two years pressing into the Lord, believing him, asking him, praying. God, when? God, when? You said you were going to give me a husband. Where? When? I, I am, feel so alone. And then, <laughs> Pastor RJ. I'm so thankful that I waited for God's best for me. I'm so thankful that he loved me so much to give me the gift of my husband who loves me and who loves the Lord with all his heart. I'm so thankful for him in my life. And I get to say that next week on Wednesday, we get to celebrate 21 years together. Walking together in the Lord together. But I had to subject that experience to the truth of God's word. We have to bring those things into God's word. You know, Kim talked about and she referred to, you know, Proverbs, uh, the way that seems right to man, it appears straight. It appears straight before you, but it's not because God is the one who makes the way for you. When? you lean on him. When you're asking the Holy Spirit about what's right, when you're talking to him and asking him to lead you into the pathway of truth and what to do. So 
we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who will lead us into the fullness of that truth. So making sure that we are able and that we have everything that we need to make the right decision in the moment and that God knows the end from the beginning and nothing that's happened to you has ever caught him by surprise. Amen? My turn? Yes. Praise God. God is the way maker. He's not the easy maker. He is the way maker. And some things just aren't easy, but he makes a way for us. Amen? Um, some of the th other things we learn about the Holy Spirit, like Pastor uh, Mary was saying, that um, God is truth. He is our truth. And um, in the letter written to the Gentile believers, um, there, was a, there was a conversation happening about whether the Gentile believers uh, should, part, you know, circumcision and a bunch of things and like the Jewish believers. And there's this big meeting and all the men got together and decided what was going to happen and how this was all going to work out. And uh, let me tell you, the Gentile men were just on the edges of their seats because they were like, really? We have to get circumcised? Is this necessary? <laughs> so the men got together, and in Acts 15, verse 28, they, they came up with, a, with an answer. But they didn't come up with the answer by themselves. Acts 15, verse 28, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. The emphasis is on it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They made a decision with the Holy Spirit involved. They obviously communicated with him and had conversation with him because they wouldn't have put it in here. And in the end, verse 31, the men were rejoicing. <laughs> and there was great joy throughout the church all day. And I imagine it was a party because all they now had to do in order for it to go well with them, it's all they had to do was abstain from sexual immorality. They didn't have to consume blood. Uh, they weren't supposed to eat meat offered to idols. And they didn't have to be circumcised. And there was a lot of rejoicing. <laughs> Can't say I identify, but I guess, yeah, it was good for them. Anyways. <laughs> point is, they consulted the Holy Spirit in their decision-making process. People, let's consult the Holy Spirit in our decision-making process. That's, That's right. why he's there. He's a gift to help lead us and to guide us and to teach us the truth, like Pastor Mary was saying. You know, um, I, I often, when I read the word of, the, uh, of God, I have these moments where I have to invite the Holy Spirit into the process of evaluating what I'm reading because he reveals the truth of the word. There's so many people that have read the Bible. So many people could tell you, you know, all the books of the Bible and what happened and all these facts, but it's a living word of God. And without, without the Holy Spirit to allow us and help us to understand the word, we're going to go in the wrong direction. That's right. Right? That's right. He helps us rightly divide the word. Amen. Um, Paul was an expert of the law. He studied the law. He didn't recognize that the Messiah had come. He had no clue. 
right? I said earlier, the disciples walked with Jesus. He was there with them, and yet they still needed the Holy Spirit. So when Paul was converted and he met Christ on the road to Damascus and he got slapped upside his head and he got blinded, he ended up going to Ananias' house. And on Acts 9, verse 17, Ananias said, and um, we prayed that uh, you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, but he still needed to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul um, says in 2 Corinthians 2, 1, 21 to 22, it is good, it is, sorry, it is God who enables us along with you to stand firm in Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised. God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit and he is in us. And when he is working in us and through us, we are able to do hard things because we can't make it in this life without him. It's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's gonna allow us to endure the persecutions, the struggles, the inward struggles. But we need the gift of Holy Spirit in order to operate in this life. So how many of you know, or do you have an understanding that Jesus in his humanity here on earth, he needed? the Holy Spirit. He needed the Holy Spirit to be able to endure the cross. Without the Holy Spirit and his humanity, Jesus would not have been able to endure the cross to the end. We need them, beloved, let me tell you right now, more than ever and going forward, we need the Holy Spirit to endure to the end. We need him to endure to the end. And Jesus asks us to do hard things. How many of you agree that it was a hard thing that Jesus had to endure the cross? It was a hard thing. So why as believers do we think that we are not going to endure hard things? Why do we think it's not going to be that way for us? When the word of God, the truth of God says, on this earth, you will have suffering. On this earth, you will endure trials and tribulations. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to endure you know, you run the race, you know, the day you're born, you're born. The process begins, the middle. In the middle, that's where the magic happens, people. That is where the experience, God is maturing you, 
you, he is molding you, he is preparing you, all that experience as you take it to the Holy Spirit, as you take it to him, the cross of Christ, he is teaching you, he is guiding you, he is maturing you to be able to endure to the end. Like, I don't know why, but as Christians, it's not follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. Like, we don't get to hop and skip on the yellow brick road happy as can be. That's not how it works here. We need to understand that as Christians, you don't learn to trust God without facing things that you have to encounter and experience to trust him. You don't know and you will never know the provision of God unless you have to face an experience where God is your Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. You will never know the God of miracles unless you hit a circumstance in your life where you need the God of miracles. You will never grow in faith until you have to contend for your faith. It's not called the good fight of faith for nothing. You need to know as a Christian, we need to embody the fullness of the truth of the word of God. Not just the parts that we like that say God's gonna bless us and he's gonna pour out abundance and those are all wonderful things and they're promises, but they're not the fullness of it all. We have to grow up. We have to understand and come into maturity that all of our experiences, we have to bring them to the cross of Christ. Philippians 2.13, I want to read this in the Amplified. It's so good. It says, for it is not your strength. Everybody say, it's not my strength. But it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work that is, he is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill the purpose for his good pleasure. Philippians uh, 4.13, I can do in the Amplified all things, which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I wish I had time to explain to you the, the magnitude of what experience does for us when God says, I work all things out for your good. We need to read the fullness of that scripture. The fullness of the scripture says, I work all things out for your good for those who love me and are called according to whose purposes? Mine? Yours? God's purposes. His purpose. So it's not, God, you need to work this out to my plan. God, you need to do what I need you to do. God, this was the plan. Why aren't you going with me here? It's the Holy Spirit. It's his plan. If, as Christians, we are submitted to his plan, his will, his purpose for my life, and that has to be completely submitted to him. You know, um, James 1, verses 2 to 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested and your endurance has a chance to grow, 
So let it grow. How do you let it grow? Who does that? The Holy Spirit is the one who matures you and perfects the faith that's in you and you have to surrender to it. So I wanna ask you the question. Experience is oftentimes the best teacher, but who is your teacher? Is it you? Is it your friend? Or is it the enemy? Is it the world and its culture? Or is your teacher the Holy Spirit? So it's not just your experience, it's what are you learning through your experience? Who is your teacher through the experience? As Christians, we have to come to a place where we acknowledge, we solidify, we get it rooted deep within us that we have to take our experience even though we walk through seasons. And sometimes there are seasons of waiting on God that seem so long, so long, but we have to endure to the end. And we're coming to God and we're saying, God, this is hard. God, I'm, I'm battling fear. I'm battling insecurity. I'm battling rejection. I'm battling this, that, whatever it is in our waiting for him that he says, you're not alone. I am there with you. I'm the one. Beloved, we have to come to a place where we understand how we fight. How do we fight? This war that we're fighting is not a fleshly battle. How many times, we know the scripture, we've read it. Ephesians 6, 11 to 18. I don't have time to go through it all. We need to put on the armor of God. It is a spiritual battle. The Holy Spirit is there fighting for you with the weapons of our warfare. We put on the armor of God to fight and we mature and we come against the enemy. We need to wake up. We need to recognize that we need to put on that spiritual armor and stand and fight and recognize when God says it's not by power, not by might, but God says it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Maturity, the Holy Spirit causes us to mature. You hear Pastor Mary say that uh, quite a few times, that we endure. We endure the contradictions of the promise. We endure the persecutions. Uh, we endure the struggles. We put on the armor of God. We fight, and we fight from a place of maturity. In that process, we endure to mature. And there's a reason why we need to be a mature body of Christ. Because we are revealing God's kingdom Amen. to a lost and dying world. The Holy Spirit, when you are walking with him and allowing him to speak to you in your situations, in your personal struggles, as you grow and mature, you're able to reconcile people back to the Lord. Immaturity in the body of Christ has to stop. And I'm out of time. No, no, keep going. You have a couple more minutes. Keep going. You need to. God is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Although my sins were as scarlet, he washed them white as snow. That's the spot. It's gone. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That's right. And in my mind, wrinkle, that's offense. And there's too much of it. That's 
right. When he's coming back for his bride without spot or wrinkle, he's coming back for a bride without offense. And we talk about going to this marriage supper of the Lamb and we're going to have a grand old party. Has anybody ever put on a wedding? That's right. Preach it. I had the pleasure of, of planning my own wedding, but planning two of my daughter's weddings and, and helping some friends. And let me tell you, the biggest struggle about planning a wedding is the guest list. And even more than the guest list is the seating arrangements. That's right. <laughs> I can't put Bob over here because he doesn't get along with Ken. I got two single ladies over here and I don't want to put them on a single table, but I don't want to put them at a table with a bunch of married people because I don't want them to be offended and I don't want to feel sad and I want them to be happy. That's right. This person hasn't talked to this person in so long. But I want them to be here and enjoy my wedding. How am I going to make this work? Guys, when we get to the marriage supper of lamb, there is no offense. Right. Jesus isn't up there sitting, oh, I got to put Pastor Arjun over here, and I got to go put Des over here, and I got to put the sound man way back there because they ain't getting along with each other. That doesn't happen. When he invites his body to sit down in a wedding, it's going to be a joyous time. And the bride just wants to have a great time. The groom just wants to have a great time. The mother of the bride just wants everything to go right. That's right. <laughs> And the father of the bride just wants to make sure we stay on budget. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't care about that. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he wants you to enjoy the marriage feast. But there is not going to be any offense. And so when we grow up in maturity, we have to remember that we are revealing a kingdom to the world out there. Amen. How many of you have gone to the grocery store and saw a little kid behaving badly? And we all look at the mom and say, mm-hmm. You better fix your kid. If that was my kid, my kid wouldn't behave in that way. And we criticize the mom. We have these thoughts. When we are behaving badly, believers... And we're out there. Who gets criticized? That's right. That's good. We cannot misrepresent God to people who don't know them. They are already, they are already, you know, being caught up in a kingdom with a with a wicked king. And we want to bring them into a kingdom, reconcile them back to, to the body of Christ, want them to bring in a relationship with Jesus. But they don't want to be in our kingdom because of the way we act and the way we carry on. And it's got to stop. There is no room for offense in the body of Christ. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> We're going to prepare for communion at, at this time. And, you know, I talked about weddings and things. And I remember uh, my daughter, Jade, that she's worshiping here. And uh, when she's planning her wedding and had all these things that we wanted to do and accomplish. And COVID hit, like many of you. And then you were stuck and what your wedding would look like, and it was a big struggle, and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, what it boiled down to for her was she just wanted to get married. She just wanted to start a life with her husband. So all that other stuff was stripped away. There was no big wedding. There was no big celebration. There was no, none of that. It was her, her spouse, in the presence of God, 
being joined in union by, by, by her husband's father and a few friends, that was it. When all is simply stripped away, just come. Just, just come to Jesus. That's all you need. And we take this bread, and it's the bread of life. Would you stand with us as we take communion? Thank you. If any of you are feeling disconnected from our Heavenly Father, if you've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you need a refreshing, let's take this time to pray and ask him. Father God, we thank you for the bread of life. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit does heart surgery on us. If we would just surrender our life to you, that you would come in and you would transform us, not only for us, but for those who don't know you. I have to mention that this time, uh, Holy Spirit night on Wednesday, Stephen was here and he made reference um, to our hearts being clogged and our arteries being clogged and being clogged with mistruth, being clogged with hurts, being clogged with our own understanding. Yes, God. And how God wants to speak to our heart, but sometimes he can't, it just clogged clogged with offense church clogged with brokenness and hurt and Jesus can heal all those things but let's unclog our hearts let him do surgery in us this morning Marjorie mentioned on Holy Spirit Night of Scripture that you know it's my go-to scripture has been my go-to scripture for a long time God Search my heart. If there is anything within me that offends you, get rid of it. I don't want to be an offense to God. I don't want my life to offend God. Father, we thank you for this bread. We remember your word that says as often as we gather together that we take this bread and remember it. And remember you, Father, so we thank you for this awesome time of communion where we can gather together in fellowship. As we take this bread, your body, in Jesus' name. Church, as we receive the cup this morning, I just want to encourage you this Thanksgiving and moving forward every day that you are, we are so, you're so thankful and have an awareness of the Holy Spirit. God's gift to us that we are never, ever, ever alone. That he is there to help us endure to the end. And I just need us to understand and come to a place of knowing that the enemy does not go after his kids. You know why it seems all around you that the wicked prosper and everybody's getting the good life? It's because the enemy's not going after him, them. 
understand that the word of God tells us in Peter to be sober, be vigilant, be aware that the enemy of God prowls around like a lion to devour and to tear you apart. Jesus warned Peter, the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. That means to tear you apart. And especially in these days, the onslaught and the attack of the enemy is ruthless, severe, and relentless against your life. In fact, the more obedient that you want to be and you are and you strive for, the more you're living for God in the middle, in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, and everywhere in between all of that, the enemy is there to attack you when you are doing your best to obey God the most. Because he wants to thwart, he wants to attack, he wants you to turn away and waver in your faith. He wants to speak words of accusation and lies against you and against God. He wants you to doubt his character and doubt who he is. And he's gonna say, but do you believe him? And you, out of your own mouth, have to say with your own words, I believe God. God is faithful. God is true. God is my way maker. If you want to know the power of a wonder working God, then you need to let him do wonders for you. If you want to know the God of love, then you are going to have to contend and battle through fear because his perfect love casts out fear. Today, we can be thankful that we don't have to do it alone. His Holy Spirit says, I am the one who will enable you. I am the one who will help you. I am your strengthener. I am the one who gives you the grace and the power to do what I've called you to do for me. Father, this morning, let the church have eyes to see and ears to hear your Holy Spirit. Let us be wise and let us put on our armor to fight the battle the way you've told us to. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit who goes before us, who is all around us. And we receive today with great thanksgiving the cup remembering that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us to the end in Jesus.